Welcome to the 133rd episode of the Young Turfs podcast from the Viner Fourgate studio. On this episode, we're previewing the number seven Maryland Terrapins men's basketball team, and we're hitting you with the Terrapin rundown because, well, last episode we just felt the need to rant about the loss to Minnesota the whole time. Yes, we did, and this is your co-host Jordan Viner. Like, it's basketball season finally starting tomorrow, I guess, with exhibition, so... On to brighter days for Maine Athletics, hopefully. Yeah, because this football season has been quite the disappointment. And before we get into the entire basketball preview, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off on this week's non-rev report, uh, men's soccer split a pair of road games since we last spoke. Terps took down Ohio State 2-0 on Friday before losing very disappointingly to Penn State 3-2 two nights ago. The three goals they up against Penn State ties a season high. But interesting little note here. Last week, Johannes Bergman was the first Big Ten player since 2010 to win both Offensive and Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, and that's great for the team. They definitely, I mean, they had a 2-0 lead last night. The game was uh, aired on BTN. I, I saw most of it. And they just let that slip away. Um, definitely a tough loss for the Terps. They could have used that ranked road win. Uh, they'll conclude their season this weekend with a matchup against the Michigan Wolverines at 3 on Sunday at Ludwig Field. Uh, field hockey played twice over the last week. They destroyed Michigan State 5-1 Friday night and beat American on the road by a surprisingly close score of 1-0. Uh, they entered Big Ten, the Big Ten tournament as the one seed this season, and they will play either the 4 or 5 seed starting Friday, so tomorrow at 4. That uh, tournament is at University Park, Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, that game against American was really a surprise. The Terps got off to a slow start and it kind of continued throughout the whole game until one of their senior leaders added that tally late in the game to give the Terps the one nothing win over American, and now they're on to the Big Ten tournament up at Penn State. Uh, on the women's soccer, the Lady Terps split their two games in Michigan. They beat Michigan State one nothing on the road Thursday night. They also lost to the number 16 Michigan Wolverines 4-1. to they will play Michigan again in the Big Ten tournament as a sixth seed. This is the first time ever the Terps have qualified for the Big Ten tournament, so a huge step forward for uh, Coach Leon and the soccer team. Yeah, Ray Leon has done a great job with this season. Um, so the way that the Big Ten tournament works for women's soccer is only the top eight teams qualify. Since joining the conference in 2014, Maryland's never cracked the top eight until this season. Unlikely they will defeat Michigan, as we just saw, but you, you can't dismiss the step they took this year yeah and now to wrap up the non-rev teams volleyball got a much needed win against northwestern three sets to two last wednesday saturday night the terps hosted number eight penn state on the main floor at xfinity center in front of 3,110 fans the seventh largest crowd in program history unfortunately a lot like the football team they got swept in three close matches and then last night the terps were swept again by the number four wisconsin badgers on the road yeah volleyball it's they're in a weird spot, I feel like. They're kind of stuck in the middle right now. They can pretty regularly beat the um, bottom half of the Big Ten, but they just can't even hold a cup to the top half. They're, they're stuck in the middle right now. Yeah, they really are, and that's kind of disappointing given the um, recruiting that they had and some of the wins they had last season. But got to fight through it, got to find some wins, and you know, with the opportunities they've been handed in this conference, you would have figured that they would have been able to pull together a few wins like they did last year and make themselves a really strong contender for the NCAA tournament, but it just has not happened. And now let's talk some football really quick before we hit basketball. Uh, yeah, first a quick news item. Maryland will have a noon kickoff on Fox against Ohio State next weekend. Uh, no big surprise there. Not Really not expecting to watch most of that game, to be honest. Um, uh, big noon Saturday, though. Get Gus Johnson yeah, on the call. That, that is something. And um, this is a quick debate point I found interesting. The Student Times, the SB Nation outlet for Maryland, for those who don't know, their Twitter account put out a poll a couple weeks ago, or sorry, last week, and uh, the poll hit Tyler to against Josh Jackson for the Michigan game, 
And in this poll, 62% of fans said they prefer to see, prefer to see Tyler DeSue over Josh Jackson starting Saturday. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting. It's not what I expected to see, actually. It is really what I expected to see, given what I've heard from uh, really Terpidation in, in large uh, on this topic. Everybody's ready to move on from Piggy and Josh Jackson, and they're ready to see what Tyler DeSue's got in the tank and if he's a viable option moving forward. Because, you know, Tyler DeSue is a high three-star quarterback. Uh, people did like what they saw at him in high school, and I think that they're ready to see uh, what the freshman redshirts got, really. Well, it's unlikely at best, I'd say, but maybe we'll see him if things go south quickly against Michigan this week. Um, I'm interested to see, just locking long-term, if DeSue elects to stay at Maryland past next season, even into next season, if Lance is given the starting job. I'm just interested to see how that dynamic will play out with the two of them because I don't think they're, they're both going to stay if one gets the starting job for sure. Now, well, that's something that you really have to look at because Josh Jackson's in the picture for next year. Piggy's in the picture for next year. So you could have, going into camp, like uh, Randy Etzel did that one year, have a four-way quarterback competition. And the last point on this that I'll say is you said that uh, Josh Jackson might get pulled out if things go downhill quickly. I'm really interested to see, like in that Minnesota game, how quickly uh, Loxley's willing to make the change of the quarterback position now that he's got his guy back in there being Josh Jackson because he really has stuck with Jackson through thick and thin. And things have gotten a thick and thin with, with Josh. Um, yep, I guess there's not much else to say on it, just that Maryland fans do seem ready for a change. And... I think it's a little bit concerning, at least to me, that so early into the Loxley slash Josh Jackson era, just I, I can't say I'm dis I disagree either. That people are just done already. It already feels like we've been through this for like years. I think that's because more of the same has continued, and this is really like a kind of a postseason. Really, it's almost like if Loxley, and this is very unlikely, was able to pull out, let's say. Uh, a win on Saturday on homecoming against Michigan, and maybe one more win against Nebraska or Michigan State, which at this point, I mean, even Jordan, with your negativity towards Maryland football, those two programs have looked like beatable as far as if anything changes for Maryland. Even if they play Michigan close, you could say that they could go out and beat Nebraska or Michigan State. It seems like if Loxley's able to maybe string together two wins here and we're back at 5-7 and seven, or maybe even one, and if, so, if it's over Michigan, I think that that people will say, okay, well, there were a lot of injuries, and the season did look down at one point, but at least they pulled together something at the end and got, you know, one or two wins. Still not where we wanted to be given the start of the season, but opinions do change. It is his first year, and whatever culture was in place seems like it was the wrong one for this team to be competitive in this league. That's kind of where I'll leave it at, because we do have a basketball preview to get to. I started off this conversation talking about last season. We went into last year, we didn't really know what to expect. We had Jalen Smith, super highly recruited, biggest recruit we've gotten since Diamond Stone. We had a lot of freshmen coming in, and we had Anthony Cowan. That was basically it. Oh, and Bruno, of course. Bruno was returning as well. Um, we jump into the season, starts off a little bit rough, especially with our early Big Ten play, lost to Seton Hall. And then things just really start picking up. We get some good wins. We peak at number 13 in the poll. Bruno looks amazing. Anthony Cowan does his thing. And all of a sudden, we have a really... Solid, but uneven season, I'd say. Yeah, uh, just going through the way last season went, uh, the Terps hit some bumps in the road, especially around the uh, midseason and through the Big Ten part, where they lost the game at Michigan State, and then they went into Madison Square Garden and dropped that game against Illinois, came back to Xfinity Center with a win, ended up going back on the road against Wisconsin, dropping another game. It was... It was more up than down, I would say, throughout the 11 losses of the season. It really didn't look down until around the end where you had that loss to, as they just went through the losses against in Madison Square Garden, really where it started. They lost the game big to Michigan. They lost at Penn State. They lost again to Michigan at home. And then they kind of rolled into the Big Ten tournament with still some high expectations, but then dropped a game to Nebraska on Thursday. And then they finally met the end to their season with a really disappointing loss in Jacksonville to LSU. It never occurred to me that we played in Jacksonville in the tournament last year, where you were go where you're going now until now, just like just now. Yeah, I was just in that arena on Friday night, saw Post Malone. 
a really different look. I mean, it's really built for concerts. So it was definitely, in my opinion, actually better than uh, Capital One Arena downtown D.C. for a concert. But for basketball, it does have an odd look. I mean, it's a really odd stadium. It's like the upper deck of that stadium is at like the club level of a normal pro arena. So there really is not a bad seat in the building. Well, go, so yes, last year we had some bumps in the road. We had some high points, we had some low points. Um, the win against Purdue at home was really cool. Uh, being Iowa on the road was good. That Penn State loss really sucked. But as we transition to this season, there's a lot of expectations tied to this team. Maybe the most, or definitely the most, since that Jake Lehman senior year, Diamond Stone, Mellow Trimble, you know what I'm talking about. I'm assuming all of you Maryland fans out there do. And coming into this season, we got number seven in the preseason AP poll. Uh, real quick, before we get too into this, I want to shout out women's basketball, number four in the AP poll to start off. One of the highest, I think, since 2005 or something like that. Really high expectations over there, too. Um, I think any conversation with this team makes us a start with Anthony Cowan. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. Um, th- that's kind of your lifeblood, guys. Your senior leader, Maryland, finally, since Jake Lehman, has a senior leader uh, with Anthony Cowan on this team. He has been from last year to this year, promoted so much nationally, whether it's um, Andy Katz, who's really an Anthony Cowan, or Jay Billis, or Seth Greenberg. Uh, he There's a lot expected out of him. He's supposed to be one of the premier players in this conference. He's supposed to be one of the premier players around the country. And it's really going to be up to him to run the offense and uh, facilitate and then score what he needs to. But those are some things that the Terps have lacked with, with both Cowan and Melo Trimble before him, is a guy that can really facilitate and run the offense that Coach Turgeon and Coach Haynes have put in for the season. Yeah, Anthony Cowens has no shortage of praise heaped on him. Preseason All-American all over the place. Honorable mention, if not All-American, on some other outlets. First team All-Big Ten in both media and coaches. Just, there's no end to the praise for Anthony Cowan, but And we know there are things he does well. There's no denying that. He's a great dribbler. He's a, he's a great at creating his own shot, but... I think we both agree, Mason. He has some issues where he just doesn't know when to stop pulling the trigger. Yeah, and I think that he figured a lot of things out, especially late to last season. I, I kind of like the way he played last year. He's the, like every coach, surgeon, point guard has been, um, he's the lifeblood of the team. They they live and die with the point guard. And when they didn't have one, and, and Kevin Herter had to step in, and if you even go back to when Des Wells had to be the backup point guard for Melo Trimble, those are the points where they died. And... Finding that consistency, whether it be Eric Aiello having to step to the one instead of the two, I know those kind of guys are interchangeable, but really finding a bench point guard is going to be something important for this team. I think next on the docket for most Maryland fans will be Jalen Smith. Uh, Jalen Smith came in, like we said, he was incredibly happy as a recruit, top 15 in America. Uh, last year, I don't want to be very negative on him, but he kind of disappointed me at least. I really thought that he was going to be a game-altering talent. And he was at times, but he really struggled to find consistency. I felt like he got pushed around in the paint. And again, he has a high expectations this season. A lot of people are saying he added a lot of muscle. It's a lot stronger. But it's gonna you're going to have to prove it to me that he is tough enough to really play in the Big Ten. And I'm not, again, not trying to knock him. It's just the Big Ten is extremely violent down low for basketball. And the refs call it almost like a football game down there. Smith can do to you know, force the defense to play him. Last year, uh, there were times where Jalen Smith was pretty much a plus or minus near zero guy. He was just kind of on the court, and he was not very effective at times, and times he hurt the team. Um, It's going to be about him kind of stepping into Bruno's role. Now, he's not the hype man that Bruno is. He does have a lot of passion for Maryland. That was kind of one of the key things in the uh, Q&A with the team from this past weekend at Xfinity Center was Jalen Smith being questioned about his or being asked about and praised for his kind of Maryland pride and what, what he's got. He's going to have to exert that a little bit more, get a little bit more physical down low, and truly be that guy because uh, with Marielle being out until December, there's not a lot of consistency down low. It's really going to be up to Jalen Smith to kind of step into Bruno's role, score down low, and then maybe stretch the floor. We have seen his three-point shot uh, flourish it sometimes, and then most of last year, though, it was a negative for the team. So it'll be interesting in terms of fitness here. He's built like a wing. We all know that. He's 6'5", 200 pounds. Um, the issue with him in the past has been he's a good defensive player, borderline great defensive player, 
but he's had issues on offense throughout his career. Yes, they definitely took a step forward last year because his freshman year, you could really say he's a black hole in offense. Last year, we saw some flair from him. But I think to really for him to crack the rotation into the way he wants to, like a 30-minute player again, he's going to have to keep improving on the offensive end in a big way. Yeah, and I think that's going to be tough for him this year, honestly. Um, you said some flair out of Daryl Morsell, and I believe that is like more in the range of uh, five points instead of none. He's a great defensive player, there's no doubt about that. But if you're looking at the guys that took a step forward in Morsell's role in the past... Uh, Aaron Wiggins is the guy that everyone's saying looks like an NBA player right now. So is Morcell even a starter anymore in this team? That's your first question. I think uh, he is one of Coach Churchill's favorite players, I will say that. I do not think he will be starting uh, in the first few games. And if things go well, I think he's going to be a top-level. You know, everyone likes to point at Daryl Morcell and say he's a top-ten glue guy. I believe that. He's your defensive stopper. He rebounds. He's played every position at Maryland from point guard to center. So Morcell's had a huge role in his time at Maryland. But Aaron Wiggins is supposedly taking a step forward. We're supposed to be a little bit more solid with the Mitchell Twins and Ricky Lindo. Uh, Lindo, another guy that's taking a huge step forward, according to reports. There's a lot more, I guess, of a solid team here. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Morsell, uh, what his role is this year. Yeah, and he, he's played power forward for us in the past. He did that a lot, actually, last year. Um, hopefully that's not the case, because I don't think it fits him extremely well. He's not really tall enough. He's definitely tough enough, but he's not really tall enough to be a power forward. Um, with the Mitchell Twins and Ricky Lindo, as you mentioned, maybe he gets pushed back into the small forward role. And speaking of small forward, the people who, um, the person most people expect to start over Darren Morseau at that three spot would be Aaron Wiggins this season. I think you have to give Aaron Wiggins a preseason hype award this season. Yeah, uh, Aaron Wiggins supposed to be now lethal. I mean, last year was a really good three-point shooter, but now an absolutely lethal three-point shooter. Uh, 6'6", 200 pounds, that's what they have him listed at. Really an NBA body type. He is a Supposedly has it all going on. Uh, last year, he looked really good, and then not so good, and then really good again, and then not so good. So this year, it's the day of the game for Aaron Wiggins. It's going to be consistency, more of a game other than the three-point shot. And really, you are right, the guy that's gotten the most hype going into the season. And in my opinion, given what I've heard, will be starting at the three spot for the Terps this year. Really going to go with the three-guard look, and then Jalen Smith. And I'm going to assume for now a Mitchell twin down low. Well, Aaron Wiggins, I keep hearing from people, like, really in the know. Yeah, we're, we're kind of in the know, but the people that go to every press conference, talk to the coaches, all this stuff, Wayne, Don, they all say Aaron Wiggins is going to be the guy that pushes the team over the top if we go over the top this year. But my only issue with that, I love Aaron Wiggins as a player. He was fun to watch last year. He's really athletic. He's a good shooter. Um, his defense definitely needs some work, and if that doesn't improve, we're going to see a lot more Darren Morso at that three spot. But on offense last year, I really felt like Aaron Wiggins was boomer bust. Like, he didn't have many okay games. He either was like, wow, that was some great plays, or, man, I didn't even notice he was out there. And I feel like, well, you have to improve on that if you want to be an impact player on this team. Yeah, and I think that um, as far as what you said from him from last year, I think that was kind of on Coach Turgeon, too, and the coaching staff. I feel like they pulled him very early in a lot of games. I did not think that he was... um, especially in some of the games where they were scoring, you know, in the 60s or the 50s, I think Wiggins was a guy that they needed to feed more, honestly, all of last year, Jordan. We saw a lot of late-year late games together, and y you know that I really believe in Aaron Wiggins. I think that between him and Ricky Lindo, they were two of the more underserved guys on this roster from last year. Wiggins, in my opinion, you are right, and everyone, I think, is right to say this, he was one of the guys you can point to and say he has to perform if this team is really going to live up to the number seven team in the country or anything higher than that. Um... Really, you're relying on getting more out of him than you've gotten in the past, and not to really knock Coach Turgeon, given all the hype in this, this will be a low Turgeon bashing podcast, but I have to say something. Uh, as far as shooters like a Wiggins, they've really gone downhill under Coach Turgeon. Uh, Kevin Herter, it, it was really one of the only ones he can point to and say he went up, but you look at a guy like Jared Nickens or Deion Wiley, guys that could have developed into what we're seeing out of Aaron Wiggins in his freshman year, both of those guys went straight downhill. So, I'm not exactly sure if I'm all the way sold on Coach Churchill being able to develop Aaron Wiggins past being a shooter. Oh, next on our list is Eric Ayala. Um, last year, he kind of fit as a glue guy. Definitely got a lot of playing time out of him. Took a lot of reps with the two guard. Expect more of that from him this season. Um, I've heard good things about him. I've heard he looks a lot thinner. Like, he's lost a lot of weight. 
should be faster. Um, I'm looking for him to facilitate because I'd love Anthony Cowan to become a great passer and great floor general. Oh, well, he already is a good passer, but he's not a great floor general. I think Ayala needs to take a lot of the quarterbacking roles still because Ant scores, and he does that really well. Um, but I see Ayala kind of starting as a two on paper, but really operating as a one sort of in the system. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think we saw a lot of that last year. Um, I believe the quote out of Eric Ayala has been, uh, that he can finally dunk. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's 6'5". Maryland's done a great job of, you know, leaning down the fat, cutting the fat, and uh, adding a lot of muscle. And it's really added, apparently, a lot to Eric Ayala's game. Now, that's yet to be seen in actual gameplay. But this is, it is Wayne's favorite player, and that's for a reason. This guy goes hard, he plays hard, he's good on defense, and he gets it done. He can do everything, rebound, score. It's going to be a matter of consistency, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Last year, we saw a team that was truly, really young. You saw... Um, the coaching staff have to struggle to figure out which guys were hot and get them the ball. That's why you left. We're left with so much of Cowan and Bruno. It's going to be about getting consistency out of Ayala, Wiggins, Sorrell Smith, Ricky Lindo, whoever they pick and choose because there are a lot of guys on this roster. Ayala is one of them that they just have to get it out of every night. You know, you talk about him really running the offense, running it. He's running the uh, whole team and keeping them in rhythm. He's really got to set into doing that if that's his role. But one thing that I really want to see, whether it's at Cowan, Wiggins, or whoever they want to put there, or Ayella, is give me a guy that can quarterback this team. Don't switch that guy. You want to be a top-tier team. They all have point guards. Like, if you look at Kansas over the past few years, whether it's been um, Frank Mason or Wayne Selden, they've had guys that can really sit into that role and, and play that kind of you know, facilitator and get the ball to the right guys, run the offense the right way. If that's Ayella or Cowan, I would love to see Coach Surgeon go with one of those guys and say, here's the ball, and here are four great other players. Let's kind of get a rhythm going as far as solid point guard play. I also expect Ayala to be one of our best shooters this season. That's just a quick note before we move on here. So next on our list here, Mason, would be your man, Ricky Lindo. And I'm just going to let you tee off on him because you have loved Ricky Lindo since first sight. Yeah, well, we will see Ricky Lindo change his number this year. That's the first thing on the Ricky Lindo uh, list to number four. A guy that a lot of people have said has developed into the player that we all thought we were going to see last year but really didn't get to see it. Uh, the way Lindo was looking, let's just start from last year. The way Lindo was looking preseason last year, everyone was looking for him to be an immediate breakout impact player. Uh, the word Joe Smith was thrown around a lot because he had the same effect of not many people knowing about him and then... Uh, Ricky Lindo showing up and then looking like an absolute boss in practice. Now, that did not translate to the floor. I really liked the way Ricky Lindo played. I thought he played with heart. I thought he played with passion. The shot was just not falling for him. Let's be honest. He was not tough enough down low, and the shot was not falling for him. Uh, supposedly, that's changed. He has a nice three-point look now. I mean, Jordan, you can vouch for this, too, just as a basketball fan. Ricky Lindo has a great shooting stroke. The ball might not end up in the basket, but Lindo did have a great shooting stroke, and I think uh, that's... mechanics for him to be a great shooter are absolutely there, but they did the thing where they just left him in the corner on a lot of offensive possessions, and that frustrated the crap out of me because at the very least, like, don't just let, let him sit in the corner because then that lets the defense kind of lean off him and play in the middle of the paint, and that takes away offensive opportunities down low, but that's a coaching thing. That's not what we're talking about today. Yeah, and I think that um, really, uh, as every Maryland fan has, hates the stand in the corner thing. It, it kind of ruins Jake Lehman, who you now see play, making plays in the NBA. And you're like, where was this guy in our offense for every year but his last one, including his last one even? To me, they never really used Jake Lehman. And they've had that problem. They had that problem, I think, a lot with Jared Nickens, even though he was kind of an offensive minus, to be honest. But when he was on the floor, they left him in the corner. They barely gave him touches. There are principles of basketball and this is one thing that I'll say, when you have all the talent that Maryland has this year, and Jordan is a talent evaluator now of basketball, you can work to this. There is some water in the everybody gets a touch this possession kind of thing. Keep everybody involved. You know, those things that they talk to six, seven, eight, you know, six to ten-year-olds about, about the principles of basketball, I think that Maryland needs to utilize some of those. Getting people touches, keeping them involved you know, keeping everyone's hands kind of hot, keeping the defense on their toes. I think those are things that Maryland can use. And with Lindo, especially last year, they just never gave him the ball. Even even though he was there on the court, he's not necessarily a deadly three-point shooter. So leaving him in the corner doesn't force the defense to look that way. I completely agree. But back to Ricky. I'm expecting to see him off the bench this year. 
utilized mostly in the four spot. He was a great rebounder when he got in the floor. Just if he can get some offense going, I think he could really be a good contributor on this team. Yeah, I think he's one of the guys that if you point to, I mean, everyone's talking about keeping Maryland as the top 10 team just because of what we've seen in the past when the Terps get high rankings. But I think if you're looking for a team that's going to win a national championship, which I know a lot of people are, it's going to be about guys like Ricky Lindo taking the next step and Sir Al Smith taking the next step and maybe getting something out of a Hakeem Hart or uh, Donta Scott off the bench. You know, these are kind of the guys you point to and say, okay, we're a great team now the way we are, but if you, you, and you can play well, we can win a championship. And I think Lindo's definitely one of those guys. Yep, and uh, pushing right on here, segueing to Sorrell Smith. Uh, I think Sorrell got judged a little bit unfairly last year. He only came into Maryland as a three-star recruit, but I think a lot of people talked themselves and each other into believing he was going to be a point guard, but he really wasn't. He played shooting guard mostly in high school, and that's what he was. But this year, hopefully he can get some more point guard-ish traits. But I'm curious to see, very curious to see, where how he factors in the rotation because I have no idea, to be honest. I don't think anyone really does, besides maybe the coaching staff. Yeah, neither do I. I really don't know what he what um, is in store for Sorrell this year. But here's some stats last year, and I don't really think I could believe this one when, I, when I'm when i reading it right now. Uh, Sorrell Smith appeared in all 34 games as a reserve guard. I did not think that was true. He averaged 12 minutes a game. That also surprises me. And 3.4 points per game. Uh, career high, 14 points in 19 minutes against Ohio State. He knocked down some big shots, especially against Nebraska um, and Rutgers in a game that the Terps struggled offensively. There were times last year, in at least in my opinion, that Sorrell Smith did a great job. Filled in, you know, I just talked about the two threes that he hit against Nebraska and the kind of offensive start that he gave uh, for the Terps in that road, really slow road game against Rutgers. Sorrell Smith provided some big plays for the Terps last year. It's going to be a matter of with him getting kind of him I guess more comfortable is the right word for it in the offense, maybe having him be able to run some point guard. He was listed as a combo, as you already said, coming out of high school. He's going to be finding a role for him. I think there definitely is one. Uh, he's in a more crowded, I think, guard field than ever, but he's definitely a one or a two. You know, you're trying to look at Wiggins as a three guy, trying to look at um, Hakeem Hart as more of a one or a two. So he's going to be in that mix. He's definitely going to get minutes. He's definitely going to get chances. I think there's a lot riding on his early season performance to what they're going to give him down the road. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, Sorrell has been a good scorer. Uh, sorry, was a good scorer last season. Needs to develop more as a playmaker and a passer. But if he well, does, he would definitely... Here, I'll, I'll kind of say about that. You you mentioned the word playmaker with Sorrell Smith. I, I'm kind of looking at him as a guy that you just want consistency out of. I don't really think he needs to be a playmaker. I just think he needs to be a really guy that... You just get a little bit more out of on the defensive side of the ball, maybe like two more points a game on offense, and then I think he's good. I think he's really a role player as far as this year is concerned. Well, that is maybe the case. I don't think he's going to crack the starting lineup over Isla and Ant, but you don't know. Um, the last returning guy we're really going to go into is Josh Tomajic, who I think a lot of people kind of forgot was here. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it with um, with Tomajic. Um. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect out of him. Because when he came to Maryland, if you remember, he was supposed to be a guy kind of Euro forward that could stretch the floor, hit some hit some threes, definitely a deep two player, had a nice dribble. And then you got the Tomayas that was on the floor last year sometimes that was a mess, for lack of a better word. Um, couldn't score, really didn't do anything on offense, on defense was kind of lackluster, got some big rebounds, got made some plays. I mean, he had some block shots. But... Not necessarily the guy that I think Maryland thought they were bringing in when they when they first recruited Joshua Tomajic. Uh This year, it really, if you can get it out of the Mitchell twins and then eventually Troll Mariel, um, you're not going to be really seeing Tomajic. I think it's a, probably as much as we need to surprise say and Josh. Um, I would punch myself if I didn't give a shout-out to the returning Vakons, who are... I, I appreciate them still being here. Reese Mona, Will Clark, and Travis Valman have all returned from last season. Of course, you don't expect to see any of them really in game time, but I always appreciate walk-ons being on the team and helping out in practice and all that stuff. So shout out to you guys. Especially Reese. Uh, yeah, Reese. I uh, could have gone to play somewhere else, but he elected to come here, and I really appreciate that. He's been with Anthony Cowan for what, like seven or eight non-continuous years now? Yeah, he's one of those guys kind of a lot like Varun Ram was that 
that really goes hard in practice, really gives um, the starters a good challenge. And, you know, he did play. He played minutes last year. He played minutes his freshman year. But hopefully as native towards him, as this may sound, hopefully we have enough solid play at the point guard position and have enough, like, kind of keeping up that team effort that Reese Moe doesn't have to see the floor too much. But I wish him a ton of garbage time minutes because there should be some real blowouts on this. Um, our next item is not freshman. It is our new coach, and that would be DeAndre Haynes from Michigan. Uh, we replace Kevin Broaddus, who took the head coaching job at Morgan State. Best of luck to him. Um, DeAndre Haynes, Michigan alum, John Beeline guy. I'm looking forward to seeing what we see out of him. He really was the point guard developer at Michigan. Um, he gets a lot of credit for Xavier Simpson, Jordan Poole, getting those guys up to speed there, and they had great careers. Only two years with the Wolverines, though. Yeah, um, you're really looking for the offense at Penn. Um, you're looking for ball movement. You're looking at kind of those beeline principles of off-ball movement, developing the point guard. And then you really, when you look, go back and look at either of the Maryland-Michigan games, you see that uh, Michigan just outplayed Maryland as far as ball movement's concerned, as far as offensive principles are concerned. Concerned, And really, I mean, if you look at Michigan last year, Xavier Simpson's the guy that really killed Maryland, especially in the game that Maryland played against the Wolverines at home. You're looking kind of for those things, especially off-ball movement, because that's one of the things that Coach Beeline and you're hoping that Coach uh, Haynes can really press into these guys is moving off-ball because Maryland has times where they're stagnant. Um, if you look at a guy... Like DeAndre Haynes, they should be able to go into Maryland, sit down with a lot of these guys and say, look at the film and say, keep your feet moving, you know, move to the right spots, run this offense, kind of um, give the Terps, I guess, that spark on offense that they need to really be a top-tier team. And a real quick quote from John Beeline, the now Cleveland Cavs head coach. I've had some really great assistants during my tenure at University of Michigan, and I can't say enough about DeAndre Haynes. He was one of our absolute best. He prioritized player relationships, and our student-athletes developed a complete trust and love for him. As a teacher of the game, DeAndre made our student-athletes better every day. His attention to detail is outstanding. He also is an excellent recruiter with a keen eye for talent. Tremendous hire. I feel great that Dre... I, I'm sorry, I feel that Dre is a great fit for the University of Maryland in the Big Ten Conference. High praise from Beeline, but of course you're going to get that for any old assistance. But I really do I have high hope for DeAndre Haynes, and I hope he can bring some of that... Michigan Magic over to Maryland. Yeah, because you know they've had it, um, especially last year where they had that program uh, setting number of wins, and then the year before they lost the championship game. But back-to-back really great years out of the Michigan Wolverines, and you're looking for that to continue uh, into College Park this year with a team that can certainly do it. Uh, what's next, Jordan? Next up, we got our freshmen, and we have some interesting ones this year. We'll start off with our last addition. That would be Hakeem Hart, the 6'6 guard uh, for Philadelphia. Added him very late in the recruiting cycle, all the way in April. But a lot of praise for him. Uh, Matt Brady was the chief recruiter on him. Interesting to see. Again, this is not a point guard. He's actually listed as a shooting guard. But we expect him to maybe flex down to the point. But, again, I need to stress to the Maryland fans, he is not a point guard coming out of high school. Yeah, uh, a guy that I think uh, can do a lot, maybe not this year, but definitely down the road, a guy that's been a great shooter, was thought of very highly, especially at the end of his recruiting cycle. That's where he got the attention out of the Terps and some other uh, high-level suitors. But Hakeem Hart, definitely a guy that I think is going to get a chance early in the season, especially if a guy like Sorrell Smith isn't able to perform to the level that Merrill needs him. I think then that's where you will see a lot of Hakeem Hart, but definitely a guy that's going to in my opinion, see some minutes, especially early on in the season, and then some blowouts, but maybe not a guy that you're going to be seeing all year. I think there is a huge upside with him, but there is a lot of talent on this roster, and he might be a guy that's kind of uh, limited in action for the season. And next up, we got another guy from Philadelphia, perhaps the most hyped out of all of them, Donta Scott. Um, the 6'7", like I said, freshman Philadelphia list is a forward, although he's been practicing with guards a lot. I can't describe how hyped up people seem to be for Dante Scott considering he's only a three-star recruit. People are over the moon about this kid. Yeah, and you can count me in the list of people that are over the moon about this kid. He is what Maryland has been lacking to a lot of people. He's a really tough guy out of Philadelphia. 
six seven forward kind of guard forward, plays that three or four spot. The guy that Coach Turgeon really has not had in his time at Maryland, um, or the guy that he hasn't really brought in at the time as Maryland is what everyone looks for. They look for that old Gary Williams kind of rough and tumble, you know, undersized uh, power forward, oversized small forward guy that can get down and dirty and of course, make it happen on the offensive side of the ball. But really looking for a guy that's tough down low, you know, 6'7", 225. Um, look for the toughness that Maryland has lacked, according to a lot of people, including myself, from Dr. Scott. That's the word I keep hearing with Dr. Scott is toughness. And I also hear a lot of people talking about the Harry Williams kind of thing. <clears throat> and I understand the nostalgia for that. I definitely think it is a useful thing to have. But I don't want to attach too much to Dr. Scott before he really takes the floor here. But I'm one person, and I can't stop all of it. But I'm really excited for him, too. Supposed to be able to shoot. Supposed to be able to do all the things. But we'll see what happens when he steps onto the floor in the Big Ten. Um, next up, we have Mikel Mitchell. Now, this is the Mitchell that is number 22. And I believe, I'm going to double-check this for it, if anything. Yes, the slightly lower-rated one. Um, but the Mitchell twins, you almost have to lump them in together. They're both 6'10", they're both 235, they're number 21, 22. Both people to do a lot of similar things. Um, I don't know how you separate these two, really. It's going to be a, a bit of a mess, I think, at first, trying to separate them on the floor as well. Yeah, it might be, but you're looking at two guys, both were... There were some rumors about them out of high school, mostly that they were jokesters, kind of clowns. They, they messed around a lot, didn't, didn't put 100% into basketball, and that you have heard none of from anybody, including the people that report things like that out of Maryland that those these two have gone full in on Maryland basketball. They really have, they were rumored to be a little bit out of shape. That's kind of gone away. They have rumored to be, you know, everything, all the bad news that were coming out of these two has gone away since they've reached Maryland. I think they've fairly focused on basketball now. I think they're, everything good out of these two so far has come. And that is a lot of upside. There's a lot of upside with these guys. Um, looking for, obviously, Makai, who was the one that Maryland was truly Everyone like to say that the one that are truly after, I think that he is going to have a bigger role this year. But uh, from Mikel, there's going to be minutes um, down low. You know, you're starting off with just really Jalen Smith, as anything certain. Ricky Lindo did have some time last year, but he was obviously, as we mentioned earlier, a little bit underwhelming in that spot. Was kind of forced into it. Joshua Tomai, it's really the same. But you're looking at guys that really are truly high-level basketball players, and you're going to see a lot of time uh, up until December when hopefully Troll Mario will be healthy. Yeah, Makai and Mikel, they both definitely are going to have roles early on. We need the forward depth, and thankfully there's two of them, which may become very useful very quickly. Um, I would not be surprised if one of them doesn't start this season. No, no. One of them is definitely not going to be in the starting lineup to start the season. Maybe neither of them. Maybe they'll go with Ricky Lindo to start it off. Oh, I meant to say one of them starts the season, but same idea. Yeah, but you don't really know what you're going to see out of the lineup. Um, you know, we talked about so many guys that have so much talent on this roster uh, starting off tomorrow night, you're going to be able to hear uh, who who um, they call out on the PA announcer to be the starters, and then uh, up against Holy Cross on November 5th, you're going to hear it again. I think there's going to be a lot of little bit of variation in the starting line to start off, but these guys are definitely going to get their chance, at least one of them to start. So maybe the most talked about Terp freshman, besides Dante Scott, would be Shoal Mariel. And I don't even know where to begin with this. Shoal was... A three-star with a lot of hype, seven foot two out of Northern Arizona, originally from South Sudan. Um, there's just—I don't even know how to describe it. There's so much intrigue with him. Seven foot two, two thirty, was a three-star who was previously higher-rated that got injured. Um, he got injured again when he got to College Park. He also didn't get to Maryland until later than everybody else because grades need to clear. There's just so much. I guess unknown around him. I'm really excited to see what we get out of him. Now, granted, being seven foot two is helpful, but it doesn't mean everything by any stretch. He's got to be able to play too. Yeah, and he is a guy that's had, I mean, all kinds of health issues, especially in the knees. Most recently, um, with the, what I believe was shin splints. Um, a guy that I'm still not certain really will ever see the floor at the University of Maryland. I know that I'm not in the, um, I guess. Mon minority of people there there are a lot of people that think that um he will never play at maryland jordan i know that you've said that a few times i know that i've said that a few times it, it's kind of like the biggest question mark that's on this team by far um you're getting a guy that really hasn't played a full season in i don't think three years um but at one time was one of the highest rated recruits in the country 
and he's here now, and hopefully we can get him healthy and going with our full medical staff. And, you know, Kyle Tarp in there, he, he's always a huge help, and so is a team doctor. But a guy that if he can get on the floor has been rumored to be able to do great things, and hopefully we'll see him as soon as late November and really looking at December is really a target time for his first minutes as a Terp, and he would be a guy that can really step in and be a true center. Well, that covers our roster. Um, I think we're pretty helpful. One more thing before we kind of look at the schedule here really quickly because this is running a little bit long. Um, Mason, predict your starting five. Uh, I'm going to go with my early. I'll give you an early season starting five, and then I'll give you a late season starting five. As far as what you'll see tomorrow night, I'm going to go with uh, Cowan at the one, Ayala two, Wiggins at the three, and then down low you'll go with uh, Jalen Smith and then one of the Mitchells and... I'm really, I kind of think they're going to surprise a lot of people and go with Mikel down low, but I'm going to go with the easy play here and pick Makai. I will do the same. To start off tomorrow night, I'm going to say we're going to see Ant at the one, Ayla at the two, Wiggins three. Um, I'm going to say Makai four and Sticks five. Uh, those last two are kind of interchangeable, though. And now here's and, my, here's my, or oh, go ahead, Finner. And then for the late season starting five, I'm going to say Ant, Ayala, Wiggins, Sticks, and I'm going to say Lindo is going to get in there as a starter. Really, Jordan? He knew that that's what I was going to say. I mean, that's why he had to go before. I did not know that, but I guess I stole your thunder on that one. Yes, I I see Ricky Lindo sneaking into the starting lineup by by about midseason. I'm going to go with midseason. Maybe they give it to him early season if he's looking really good. I'm definitely picking Lindo again for the second straight year as the guy that can really break out and be that complete difference maker for this team. Also, don't sleep on Dr. Scott maybe getting in there if he has a really good season, too. Um, for our season, I'm going to say we'll just do the early um, non-conference because, again, this is running a little bit longer. So, our first two games, we got Fayetteville State tomorrow's exhibition and Holy Cross, both those BTM Plus exclusives, so I am not seeing those. Um, I don't know if you got BTM Plus this year, Mason, but if you do, we got three games this year on the BTM Plus network. Yeah, I think I'll be turning into uh, Johnny, Chris, and uh, Walt for those ones. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing the $40 for three games this year. No. Um, our first real test will be against, against Rhode Island on November 9th. That's Saturday at 9 o'clock. So uh, I hope you got your coffee for that one. An FS1 game. This, uh, I don't like this one. I'm going to be honest. I really do not like this one. I think most basketball fans will tell you A-10 teams are really physically tough bunches. They play mean and they play tough, and you don't want to sleep on them. No, and, and Maryland really has not played get well against in a lot of people's minds against teams that are both those mean and tough. So Rhode Island can be a tough challenge. Um, and then really not a lot of not a lot of primetime opponents. You then go with Oakland, Fairfield, George Mason, leading into the Thanksgiving tournament down here in Florida, where the Terps have one game scheduled for November 28th, which is Thanksgiving Day, and that is against at 11 a.m. against Temple. There's another mean, tough, and rude team that the Terps will play against. They'll then take on either Texas A&M under the coaching of Buzz Williams or Harvard, who's a top-level mid-major going into the season, and then they'll finally play in the championship game if they're able to win those two, and there's mostly teams on the level of Texas A&M and Harvard involved with that tournament, but I think the Terps have a good chance to win that one down in Orlando. And then they come back for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Jordan, your thoughts, especially on the Orlando Invitational? Uh, Maryland and Temple do not seem to mix well together, at least from our end. I'm sure Temple does playing at this point. Uh, Temple is a tough team. They should be a um, interesting opponent should be an early good test for the Turks to get, uh, see if they really did develop that toughness that we talked about. And Jordan, you know who's a key player for Temple going into the season? Devondre Perry, Jalen Smith's high school teammate, I believe you're referring no, to. No, no, he was a high school opponent of Jalen Smith. Oh, my bad, my bad, sorry. But yeah, him. Um, basically, Big Ten Challenge, Notre Dame, which is cool, but also... I Absolute really snub. Yeah, I, w- I would rather play Blake Forest or anyone historically ACC. Or, like, I mean, I would have taken Louisville, honestly. That's a top-tier team. That would have been fun to play, too. Um, Notre Dame is in a bit of a rut in basketball right now. They need to shake it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I really would have liked to play somebody else. That's a bummer. 
I guess we'll see if we get to be better next year. Although it's going to be the road next year anyway. Yeah, and then rolling into, I guess, that first little part of Big Ten play, you have two teams that the Terps took uh, L's against last year. You have a home game against Illinois, a road game against Penn State. Then you're at Seton Hall, which is a really big game. And then you're back home for Bryant, and that's then you're into Big Ten play, and I think that's where we'll leave it. Uh, obviously, Seton Hall, a big game, but they have been... Well, hold on, I want to say one note on the Seton Hall game. Well, I was going to say a note on the Seton Hall game. Well, mine, I think, will be more interesting. Um... So, on the Seton Hall game, a lot of people have pointed to it and saying, oh, well, look, uh, we're playing a real team this um, on conference schedule. And that's true. Seton Hall is a good team. They have one of the best pl- players in the country, Miles Powell. Um, and killer coach Kevin Willer, and I have personally been a fan of for a while now. Um, but I was talking to a um, source, we'll call it, about this game. And I was I mentioned that, like, oh, you know, it's great we're playing a, a real, you know, a real opponent this Non-conference should be a good test. We'll see how good we really are before we really hit the Big Ten play. And I mentioned something like I'm happy Turge scheduled a top 15 opponent this year. And I got a laugh back and said, yeah, but he did not expect him to be top 15 when we scheduled them two years ago. Uh, I don't think he's very happy about this. So that's my little note about this game, Mason. Yeah, my note about this game and kind of counters, I guess, your point is on multiple basketball previews I've read, I've seen that Seton Hall is the most overrated team in the country. So... Uh, come December 19th, obviously everything will change. Maryland could be not looking at a great performance in Orlando or against Notre Dame, Illinois, Penn State. You know, you have some games in there that you can lose. But I think that's a good place to leave this preview. I mean, we'll be with you throughout the entire season. We'll get into more of detail about our basketball podcast schedule uh, when football wraps up. But uh, we said we would give our previews for the Michigan game in this podcast, so let's go ahead and do that right before we wrap it up here. Oh, I forgot about that good catch on that. Um... I'm not really feeling optimistic on this one. Same Michigan, 37, Maryland, 7. Or, oh, sorry, I meant to say 35, 7, but same idea. No, I'll throw in the safety for him, Jordan. Give him 37. All right, fine. Uh, the line on this one is 21, and Vegas looks like they've been right about everything Maryland this entire year. Um, so I'm going to give Michigan a 21-point win over the Terps, 42-21, to 21, and I think that 21's a bit optimistic, to be honest. I've seen a lot of 42 to 14, 49 to 7 kind of game. I can easily see that, but for some reason, I mean, you are playing against a Michigan team that's been very sketchy this season up until that Notre Dame game and the Penn State game where they put up some good fights. But, well, against Notre Dame, they dominated the game. But against Penn State, they put up a good fight. They kind of seem to have their season back on track. Uh, Maryland, uh, just just show up for like one half of the game, please. You've, you've been down a lot, 14 to 3 at Michigan against the, at the half. So please put that out there. Keep the people that are watching interested. And the people that are there, keep them in their seats for maybe just like three quarters of the game. That's all I ask for. You can lose the game a lot in the fourth quarter, but let's see like a Maryland, half of competitive football. Maryland's biggest Maryland optimist uh, seems to have lost in esteem this year. I mean, how... You, you, if you listen, if you have not listened to go back to the last podcast, please go back and give it a listen. And then I feel like you'll, you'll feel my pain if you don't already. All right. Well, this has been the Uncursed Podcast basketball preview. Um, we're really excited for basketball season this year. We'll have coverage. Well, we got one more thing to discuss on basketball. All right. Give me your big prediction. Where does Maryland end up this year? Oh, boy, you're painting the corner here. Um, let's see. I'm just looking at the schedule really quick here. I wish the Michigan State at home this year on Saturday. Yes. There are two opportunities for Maryland to play college game day against Michigan State this year, both times. Games on a Saturday, both in East Lansing and College Park. You know what? Screw it. The Big Ten's week this year beyond Michigan State and Maryland. I'm going to say Maryland is going to lose a total of four games this year and enter the tournament as a two or one seed. Uh, I'm going to near agree with you. Again, for like the third time in this podcast, I would say. Um, Maryland looks like one of the best teams in the country all season, gets at least a share, if not an outright Big Ten regular season championship. Maryland's always sucked in conference tournaments, so I'm not going to give them that one. Uh, I say they lose on Saturday again in the conference tournament like they have every time they've been hyped up going into it. Um, Terps had two seed in the NCAA tournament, end up Elite Eight Final Four. I'm going to say Elite Eight. I'm not going to dare hope for the Final Four. I really can't make myself do that. If we lose in the final four, if we lose in the Elite Eight by a small number, I'm going to be crushed. 
on levels we have not seen in this podcast so far. By you, on levels that we have not seen by you, because yeah, I've reached near maximum on this podcast. I have reached. I actually never mind. No, I have not reached near maximum on this podcast. Close, but nothing like Michigan State, Maryland, two thousand ten, or when they lost that game in the um, College Cup Final Four to Georgetown. That that was near top tier for both of us too. I remember we were talking, um, talking to Wayne one day. We were saying. It was, you know, it was it was that year that North Carolina lost to the buzzer to Villanova. I'm sure everybody remembers that game. That was one of the most epic college basketball games ever. Um, and we were just talking offhand about like if Maryland was North Carolina in there and they lost on a buzzer beater in the championship like that, what levels of devastation would we reach as fans? Um, I believe we kind of agreed jokingly that I don't know if the post game show would have happened that day. Yeah, I think that's definite. Definite near that but that's gonna wrap up for this podcast as always we'd like to thank our sponsors viner four gates in rockville for all of your business it needs you can reach viner four gates at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one viner.com and allied party rentals all your party rental needs big or small allied the place to go in the dmv you can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com we'll be back with a little bit about the maryland basketball exhibition on sunday and, of course, everything about the Terps football. And I'm, I'm hitting up Florida, Georgia this weekend, so any Terps that are in Jacksonville that are hitting it up, uh, send me a DM on Twitter. We'll all be out there at the tailgate like this whole city is. I'm very excited for that. should be a top-tier tailgating experience. And, yeah, we'll be back on Sunday on the podcast. I will be watching the Maryland-Michigan game, regardless of the result, the full thing, on Sunday morning or Saturday night. And then if it's, if it's a close game, I will be watching it on my phone at a Florida-Georgia tailgate. Oh, I have hope close. for it, Jordan. Michigan, let me just say Michigan. one thing about Michigan. They shot themselves in the foot a fair amount of times this season and forced some close games. Hopefully we can get one of them. Well, I admire your optimism. Now, now sure. hold on. One last thing before we go. If Michigan loses to Maryland, does Jim Harbaugh get fired on Sunday? <laughs> no, I don't think he does. I think if they lost to Notre Dame, that might be the case, but not this time. All right, well... That's going to be a wrap for this podcast. Go Terps. Homecoming. Great uniforms. Great uniforms. Hopefully we get a great game out of Josh Jackson and Maryland. Maybe a little bit of flashback play to the first two games of the season. Who knows what they're really going to see out of this Maryland team. Hopefully a great effort and a great game. And, and we'll always be... check out Wayne Terp on uh, YouTube for the post-game coverage for the Fayetteville exhibition uh, tomorrow night. Should be up by midnight. So I know a lot of you guys are, are going to miss the game too. So if you want to Get some live reaction off of that. Check out YouTube. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Sunday.